and welcome to Yoga Olamit, where we examine the relationship of yoga and mindfulness to people's everyday lives and experiences. I'm Dana Baxter. Today, we are talking with Gwen Maxis, a senior at Tufts University studying international relations and economics with the hopes of going into local or state politics. Gwen discusses how bringing mindfulness into work and policy are important because working with policy can cause people to be entrenched constantly in negativity. She also discusses the trial and error element of mindfulness and how approaching various mindfulness practices can change as one moves through life. And now your host, Monica Sager. Hi, Gwen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your mindfulness practice? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think my mindfulness practice started um, when I was probably like a freshman in high school through my church. Um, and it's totally, totally evolved over the years. But I think now it's mainly um, just being really cognizant about my routines. And when um, I wake up in the morning, I always spend at least 15 or 20 minutes journaling. And I find that on days when I don't do this, I'm so much more, not like chaotic, just like less grounded than I am on days when I do it. And I try to do prompted journals because I can't just get like a white page of paper is really overwhelming. But with questions, I find that to be just really, really grounding. And then midday, I always try to do some type of workout just to kind of divide up my day. I think that's become increasingly important with online everything. And often it's yoga, often it's running, often it's some combination of those. And then before I go to bed, I always try to take some, like do a five minute flow or typically do that and listen to some music before I go to bed and very consciously like unwind from the day, turn off lights. I'm not one to fall asleep watching TV or anything like that. And I find all of those things to be really important. There seems to be a lot of variety throughout your day then. Is there one specific that helps you the most or is it even just the variety, that's the most important part. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think the most important part is starting the day off on a good foot. Um, like I said, I really, on days when I don't take time in the morning to journal, feel so much less grounded um, and so much less chaotic. But I think the variety, everything that I do um, in terms of my mindfulness practices contributes to I think just overall mental health in a very different way and I think all of those ways are equally as important so the benefits I get from journaling are different than the benefits I get from running and exercising they're all equally as important and then you said you started all of this in ninth grade through church so kind of a twofold question first why what made you start it and then has that religious aspect continued throughout it so I started it in ninth grade. I actually, my youth group, which became a huge part of uh, my life in high school, went on yearly service trips, like a lot of youth groups. And it was the first time my freshman year, it was a week-long trip in New Orleans. And we spent a lot of time just thinking about mindfulness and reflection and the importance of that and what it means to be in the moment. And it was such an eye-opening experience for me because prior to that trip, I had never thought about any of those things really and I was also one of only two freshmen on the trip there were two freshmen two sophomores one junior and 10 seniors and so these 18 year olds who I really admired and looked up to 
were emphasizing the importance of this. And they were, of course, going through, they were on the eve of a major life transition going to college. I sort of started thinking about it then. And it's actually, it's through youth group, but I'm a Unitarian Universalist, which is not super, super religious. It was never a particularly religious thing for me. I guess you could call it a spirituality thing just because it's so connected. The root of it for me is connected to church, but it's never been a particularly religious thing for me. But I think going, I have gone to church since I was in kindergarten, I think, and continue to do that throughout college. And I think that's an example. That's not like a daily thing I do, but that's a weekly thing I do. Um, I guess in college, I haven't done it as much, although in COVID, when I was living at home, we were tuning into services weekly. Uh, It's just like that weekly practice of coming together and part of that community definitely was part of my mindfulness routine for a while, I would say. And you mentioned being a college student. How do these mindfulness practices impact you in that sense? Well, I guess I'll start by saying I don't think I did them well my freshman and sophomore year. Um, And I think a lot of college kids would probably say that of over the course of their time at school, uh, practices like this become more important to their day-to-day lives and experiences. I think today it grounds me as I go about my day. I think it when I exercise is a good example. That's often a time actually when I'm thinking subconsciously about what I'm learning in class, what questions I want to ask a professor in office hours, um, what idea I have for certain papers or things like that. I actually think taking that time um, to actively not be thinking about school, because school is a full-time job when you're a full-time student, helps my schoolwork tremendously. And so I think that's the root of it now. And at the end of the day, too, I think taking the time, especially now that we're all on Zoom all the time, taking the time to intentionally shut off the computer, shut down sort of step by step at the end of the day has really helped just with sleep and things like that. And that's been really important, I think, to my academic routines and academic success. Can you tell us a little bit about your academic interests? Yeah, for sure. I study international relations and economics uh, at Tufts. I'm a senior, as I've said. And post-grad, I am, it's interesting. So I study international relations. Definitely very interested, though, in state and local politics. And a lot of my professional experiences outside of the classroom have been related to state and local politics. So I definitely post-grad see myself in state and local politics, ultimately probably pursuing law school and doing potentially education law. So my academic interests, I feel like, differ somewhat from my professional interests. And we're all at this point right now where it's sort of like, who knows what question's more important. And to that regard, how do you see these interests overlapping then with your mindfulness practices? That's a really interesting question because I don't like actively see an obvious connection to some extent other than when you think of actors in international relations people pursuing policy I think it's really 
to be a good policymaker on a state, local, federal level, I, for me personally, I don't foresee myself being able to do that if I don't have healthy physical and mental practices in my day-to-day -day life. I think it offers a perspective that's really, really important to be able to do your job well, or at least for me personally, I don't want to prescribe this on other people, but to do my job well. So there's no like obvious connection. It's not like I'm studying psychology and can explain the benefits on a step-by-step -step from a scientific level or biology of having good mindfulness practices. But I think in terms of what I want to do professionally and what I study other people doing academically, I think being a well-rounded person is really important to that work. And for me, that is undoubtedly connected to my practices around health and wellness. Absolutely. And along those lines, are there any examples that you can think of of how mindfulness can benefit politicians and policy builders and other public servants of that sort? Well, I'm not one yet, so maybe ask in 10 years. But also, I like to that regard, I think when you're doing work in public service, it's really, really easy to get bogged down in the negativity. And I, I say this, I've worked at a couple elected officials office, no one ever calls an elected official and is like, you're doing a fantastic job, keep up the good work. Like, no one does that. They're only calling to say, and rightfully so, things that they don't agree with or things that they're having trouble with. And in certain advocacy work can, can be really disheartening because it's the same groups of people that are continuously facing the same challenges. And that can be a really, really hard space when that's occupying your nine to five. And in reality, it's often your eight to six and your weekends when you're doing public service work. And so I think in order to ensure that I carry myself like that on the day to day, it's really important to take steps back from my work and like just reflect on larger things going on in my life, the good and the bad, and just take time for myself so that I actually have the energy to show up to work with a positive outlook and with the same purpose and hope of where I see the communities that I'm working with going. I would get really, really discouraged much easier. And I think that would drastically negatively impact the work that I'm doing. And I imagine I'm not alone in that regard for any politician or someone, anyone working in public service, really, on both sides of the aisle. And then as you are a college senior going into the workforce soon, how do you think that this practice will continue with you into the postgraduate world, especially with what you were just talking about with the benefits of it being in your career interest? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's interesting because I'm definitely just as a person, I anticipate transitions, but before transition, the time before transition, that gives me so much more anxiety than the actual transition itself. So as I'm sort of anticipating this transition to postgrad, it's, I know once I'm there, I'm going to be fine and I'm going to have, be able to establish routines that uh, work for me and work for whatever I'm doing in a year. But now it's definitely, that's a nerve wracking thing to think about is like, how am I going to fit this into my day to day? I think I haven't, I just started the prompted journaling 
over quarantine and that's really been like a game changer for me. So I definitely think that's something that I want to continue next year. And I think that's something that's going to be relatively easy to continue next year. The running and working out in the middle of the day is a breakup to the day. Hopefully we're like back in person again and that's not going to be an option. Um, And I think that's something that prior to COVID definitely was hard for me because I think when you're physically active, the times of the day where you're best at being physically active differ for different people and I think differ at different parts of your life and different seasons of your life. So I am a little nervous about fitting that into the day once we get back in person. In high school, I was definitely an athlete. So that kind of just was incorporated to my day-to-day routine without thinking about it. And I had practices that I went to um, at set times. So I didn't have to really think about it. And I didn't really have the flexibility to be like, oh, no, 6 a.m. practice is not it for me. My coach was like, 6 a.m. practice, that's what we're doing. So definitely post-grad, I need to make sure I give myself the time to do that. And it's, people always say like, I hope to find the time. And I think the problem with, like, you have to make the time. The time's not going to present itself. You have to make it. And we've talked a little bit about stressful times, times of negativity, but do you find yourself using mindfulness practices or the ideas around it more often during certain times or certain activities than you do with others? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I think for a long time when things got stressful for me, I started slacking in mindfulness practices. Um, and I think that's pretty common because it's one of those things that I don't think we realize and we're not taught that we need to do because some pe- some people don't need to do it. Um, and it's just that's not the way they work. Um, so I think in times when I've been really stressed, often I've pushed it to the side because it's just like a thing on my plate that I want to take off my plate so I can do the other things on my plate. But I think now... I think college definitely changed that for me. And I think I went abroad my last fall before COVID happened. Um, And that was a really, really good experience in that regard because I was still, my program was actually still pretty academically stressful, Um, but there was the time to be mindful and do things that um, emphasize that. And I think I realized I think that really helped me learn to balance the two. I guess another thing that I do this, that question reminded me of this, of sometimes I just go on walks and listen to music, like rather frequently just go on walks and listen to music and that just kind of happens throughout the day. Um, and I think that's something that, that's the type of practice that when I get stressed, like if I notice that I need to go on a walk, it's like, oh, we've been slacking, we need to get back to this. Um, and then I go on a walk and make sure the next day I wake up and journal. So then overall, do you recommend mindfulness for college students? Yeah, totally. I think, I mean, I don't want to prescribe. I I don't think there's like a one size fits all thing that you can do that works for everyone. I think 
for so long people were like oh Gwen you should journal you would love journaling that'd be so good for you and I would see I'd get so overwhelmed by it like it wasn't a good activity I was like what am I supposed to say to this thing like I don't know what's on my mind I could take this in so many different directions I remember stressing out over like do I do I write dear journal do I sign it at the end like that's not mindfulness that's that's stressful that's not good um so like discovering prompted journals was great for me because it like gave me a purpose in my writing um and also enabled me to be reflective uh so that's been awesome but i think overall it's about finding what works for you and um incorporating that into your routine and i think something i didn't realize as a freshman in high school and even as a freshman in college is that it's a journey and that it's tr there's trial and error involved like I just thought it was kind of something I'll start doing and it would be fantastic and like it would immediately work for me I think we don't talk enough about the fact that there's trial and error involved in it and your needs over time change um, this is something actually my mom and I talked about a lot in quarantine is how I mean she's gone through more seasons of life than I have but how her needs changed when she went from college to graduate school and when she had a kid and when she got married and through each of those changes you kind of need to reevaluate and go through the trial and error process again and I think that can be hard because things that have worked for you before don't work anymore and that's stressful but I still think that's really important. So I think for college kids, especially as you're going through this major life transition, it's important you take the time to think about what works for you um, and ways to keep yourself mentally healthy and physically healthy. And even over the course of college, it's probably going to change too. I definitely like that realization. So one final question for you. Do you have any last things to say or is there anything in particular about mindfulness or meditation that you'd like to leave with our audience? Sure. I think there's this big emphasis and maybe this is controversial, but I think there's this big emphasis on for a lot of people of like living a mindful life and really like incorporating that into their lifestyle and um, making it their brand and I actually try not to do that like I kind of just try to make it this like nonchalant thing that's part of my routine because I fear that if I overemphasize it too much in my life it's gonna lose its meaning and I think I'm I think I'm probably somewhat unique in that like I do and when I talk to my friends my friends I think Dana can probably attest to this my friends know my routines and know what I do to take care of myself um, but it's not something that I am super, super, I, I like, it's not central to my personality, um, which is interesting because I definitely have, know of some people where it is central to their personality, but at the same time, I like, they don't seem to have a healthy relationship with it, if that makes sense. Um, so I think it's just about making sure that, like, your relationship with yourself is and your practices is healthy and like where you want it to be and what works for me isn't going to work for me in five years and also probably isn't going to work isn't going to work for other people either awesome well thank you so much for talking with us yeah thank you for having me this was a lot of fun 
Hello, and welcome to Yoga Olami, where we examine the relationship of yoga and mindfulness to people's everyday lives and experiences. Again, this is Yoga Olami. Make sure to tune back in two weeks for another edition to hear about yoga and meditation within another walk of life. Again, I'm Dana Baxter, and on behalf of Monica Sager, myself, and the Yoga Olamit staff, thank you, and we'll see you next time.